Let's get back to more of this rich dialogue with Tavis Smiley. The Israeli incursion into Rafah, Palestine, has galvanized American progressives to hard press President Joe Biden uh, on this issue. Uh, those persons hard pressing the administration include Beth Miller, who is political director for Jewish Voice for Peace Action. I am pleased to welcome Beth Miller to this program. Beth, how are you today? Hi, thanks so much for having me on, Mr. Smiley. I'm uh, very happy to be here. It's great to have you on. Please call me Tavis. Uh, we'll get along a lot better. Uh, so thank you. Okay, will do. <laughs> All right, so now, now, now we've got that squared away. Uh, let, let me start with a broad question, then we'll narrow it uh, and get more specific into the issue that uh, I wanted you on to talk about. Tell me about Jewish Voice for Peace Action. And I ask that in part because... Um, the Jewish community, not unlike the black community, is not monolithic. There are all kinds of voices mm-hmm. in the Jewish community. Uh, there are disparate voices, uh, political voices on uh, all kinds of issues in this country. Indeed, when one understands what's happening inside of Israel, I've been there any number of times on visits, mm-hmm. uh, one understands that the Jewish people inside the country are not monolithic. So I just want to get a better sense of who I'm talking to when I talk to a representative from Jewish Voice for Peace Action. Tell me about the group first. Of course. Uh, So Jewish Voice for Peace Action is the political and advocacy sibling organization, or the 501c4 organization, sibling organization of a group called Jewish Voice for Peace. And Jewish Voice for Peace, or JVP, has been around for almost 30 years. We are a national grassroots membership organization that um, has chapters and local groups across the entire country. We have over 80 chapters and local formations across the country. We're um, made up of Jews and allies, and we are doing community organizing and national organizing to work to end U.S. complicity and uh, Jewish communal complicity in Israeli apartheid and violation of Palestinian human rights. Mm. That, at our core, is what we are organizing for. And we're one of the, um, we're growing very, very rapidly. We've got members across the country, including in L.A., um, and we are part of the Palestinian rights movement, and we uh, are proudly in solidarity with and following the leadership of Palestinians who are working and building toward their own liberation. And we are organizing within our own Jewish communities here in the U.S. to try to shift and change um, how we approach that and try to end complicity mm-hmm. that we have here from the U.S. And that JVP action is focused specifically on the U.S. foreign policy piece of that, um, pressuring Congress and Biden. No, so I mentioned earlier that the Jewish community obviously is not monolithic, but when you are a Jewish organization that has that particular um, uh, end and aim um, to your work and witness, how are you viewed, how is this organization viewed by the larger Jewish community? Mm. It's a great question. And as you said, we're, there's no monolith, there's no monolithism in the Jewish community. The first thing I'll say is that uh, more and more, and especially over the last several years, but in particular over the last few months, more and more within the Jewish community, there are people who are coming to understand and shift and change their opinions to agree more with us that we need to be ending U.S. support for Israel's violation of Palestinian human rights. I think that the last four months have exposed more so than at any other time why we should not be continuing to send weapons to a government like Israel that is using them to drop bombs on Palestinians in Gaza. Having said that, there are absolutely uh, parts of the Jewish community, and they tend to be part of the more larger institutional parts of the Jewish community, 
that are supporting the opposite, that are supporting the Israeli government and that don't agree with what JVP is pushing for. But if we look at the polls, if we look at the direction things are heading, I think that overwhelmingly more and more within the American Jewish community are moving leftward on this issue and trying, starting to sympathize more and more with what Palestinians are experiencing mm -hmm. and wanting to break from this Israeli government. When you use the phrase U.S. complicity, I'm not naive in asking this, of course, but unpack mm -hmm. for me what you mean and what Jewish Voice for Peace Action means when it refers to uh, the U.S.'s complicity uh, in this process, in this war. Absolutely. So there's a lot of different ways that the U.S. government is actively supporting and enabling Israel's assaults and attacks and what we believe to be an unfolding genocide against Palestinians in Gaza. At the most basic and direct and material level, we send $3.8 billion in unconditional military funding to the Israeli government every single year. And just since October 7th, the Biden administration has bypassed Congress twice to rush more weapons to the Israeli government and is actively pushing Congress to send an additional $14 billion to the Israeli military in weapons, in military funding. And just uh, on uh, uh, this week, the Senate passed that security supplemental to approve $14 billion to the Israeli government. That alone is a massive, horrific level of complicity that mm. when we see what's happening in Gaza, the bombs that are, that are dropping, that are killing and wiping out entire families, many of them are funded by us, by our tax dollars. But in addition to that, in addition to the military funding, we also see the Biden administration vetoing ceasefire resolutions at the United Nations, actively attacking and smearing people who are trying to call out Israel's actions or call for greater accountability. Um, and rhetorically speaking, the Biden administration and many, many members of Congress have been incredibly supportive and encouraging of Israel's assault on Gaza. Mm. Um, I don't want to necessarily say that Bibi uh, Netanyahu, who I have uh, met in a number of occasions, interviewed uh, on national media in my career. Um, I don't want to say that BB uh, crossed a, a red line. Nobody actually put it that way. But if ever there were a red line uh, for him to cross, Rafa would be it because everybody, mm. everybody around the globe, uh, including Joe, the aforementioned Joe Biden, uh, Egypt, uh, pretty much everybody, the UN, uh, our UN ambassador, everybody pretty much told him, do not cross this line. Do not go into Rafa with all of those Palestinian civilians there um, don't do it. And if you do it, there'll mm -hmm. be consequences. I don't know that we see any consequences playing out at the moment, but he crossed that line. Yeah, all those threats and all those demands did not stop him one bit from stepping into mm -hmm. Rafa. How do you read that? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. You know, the just to kind of take a step back, the assault on Rafa that um, we saw start uh, – uh, basically, the minute kickoff happened during the Super Bowl, the Israeli government, the Israeli military started bombarding Rafa. And just to kind of lay lay clear for, for all your listeners, I know you're already familiar, Rafa is the place in Gaza where for months the Israeli military has been telling Palestinians to go. Mm -hmm. Over the last four months, Palestinians from the north and from the center of Gaza have been repeatedly displaced and forced to go further and further south uh, they've been told to evacuate, to flee, that the South is where they will be safe. 
Gaza was supposed to be, was supposedly a quote-unquote safe zone. So you now have over one million displaced Palestinians sheltering in tents, in the streets, in the, one of the most densely populated cities on the planet now, Rafa, and they are penned up against the, 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 the checkpoint with Egypt. There is literally nowhere else for them to go. And now the Israeli military is dropping bombs, assaulting, and threatening a full-on ground assault and invasion of Gaza, which just this morning the United Nations said would be a slaughter. That was the quote from the United Nations, that this would be a slaughter. So like you said, if there were, I mean, we are so far past the moment of when governments, including the U.S. government, should have taken significantly more steps. But this really has got to be that final emergency. This is, this is the full assault. And this, what we risk here is so big. I think that what you named, however, is key, which is that all these warnings, all of these words of concern from places like the Biden administration didn't stop the Israeli government from doing this. Hold that thought for a second. It did not stop the Israeli government from doing it. The question is, why did it not? Uh, number one. And the second question that comes to mind pretty, pretty immediately behind that is, what are the consequences, to the extent there are any, of uh, Bibi Netanyahu crossing this uh, red line, as it were, that everybody told him not to cross. Uh, we'll get uh, Beth Miller's response to that and a, a great deal more when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley. Right number 45 on the heavy hundred list of the 100 most important radio talk show hosts in America. Sounds different. This, this is Beth Miller, uh, political director for Jewish Voice for Peace Action. All right, Beth, uh, Beth, watching my time, getting away from me here. So, so why um, we can't get inside the mind of Bibi, um, but why do you think Israel ignored all of these warnings? Um, and more to the point, uh, are there any consequences uh, for them ignoring all of these warnings? Yeah, thanks so much for the question. So, I think the reason that Israel ignored the warnings is that the lesson that they have learned over the years is that the warnings don't come with consequences, Mm -hmm. that they can act with total impunity, that every time the Biden administration or previous presidential administrations, for that matter, say, don't do this, we don't want you to do this, the Israeli government does it anyway, and then there are no consequences. And in fact, sometimes they get rewarded. The Biden administration has yet to ever take a single tangible material action to truly leverage our relationship or hold the Israeli government accountable. And Netanyahu knows that. His, the message he has actually gotten from the Biden administration is a green light because there has never been a warning or a word of concern that has been paired with punishment or consequence or action. And so I think it gets to the second point you asked, which is, what, what are the consequences going to be? And I think that that is the exact question that progressives are posing to Biden right now. And what we're saying is that the consequences, what they should be, are quite clear. We should halt all weapons sales, all weapons deliveries, and all weapons transfers to the Israeli government. Bernie Sanders has said this on the Senate floor a few times now. He does not want to send another nickel to the Israeli government, and neither do I. There should be no U.S. money. There should be no U.S. bombs, no U.S. shells going to this military right now. And when we think about it, that actually feels like the most logical thing, right? Mm -hmm. We have a situation where the world court 
has said that what Israel is doing is plausibly genocide. And the idea that our government is sending weapons to Israel right now to do to carry that out while the world court continues to look into that is truly quite an extreme stance and um, one that is only furthering this death where we now have 28,000 Palestinians killed. Yeah, one, one, it's, it's not just extreme. Um, one scratches one's head, and we'll, we'll, we'll unpack this in the few moments that we have left when we come forward with our guest, uh, Beth Miller. But one scratches one's head when one asks uh, ask oneself this simple question. And Beth teed this up quite nicely. If Joe Biden and uh, our UN ambassador, what, Linda Greenfield Thomas, uh, Thomas Greenfield, I always get it screwed up, which is one of those two. <laughs> uh, but when our government, Antony Blinken, Secretary of State, uh, when our government tells Israel, don't you do that, don't you do that, don't you do that, don't you cross this red line, you do not go into Rafah with all those Palestinian civilians. Don't do it. That's what we say. But meanwhile, we're shipping bombs every five minutes. I mean, I mean, I mean. Just pause for a second and think about that. We tell them, "Don't do it." It's like telling a kid, "Stop eating all that candy." Then you're plying him with candy in his pockets. I mean, it, just just think about that for a second. Don't do it. But here's some more weapons. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Seeking the truth. The truth. Speaking the truth. This is the Tavis Smiley Show. Ready to re-examine your assumptions and expand your inventory of ideas? More of Tavis Smiley coming your way right now. Beth Miller, I've got two minutes left here. Um, uh, can, can you answer that question as to why we tell them, don't do this, don't go into Rafa, <laughs> but by the way, here's some more weapons. Yeah, it's a great question. I can do my best. Uh, you know, I think that it's important for us to realize that the U.S has its own interest in this too, right? Mm-hmm. I think that Biden tends to talk about this as though he's, you know, the way he talks about it is like, oh, I, I do this because of our love for Israel, and I do this because we have an allyship with Israel. He also, you know, falsely conflates Jews with Israel all the time and says, acts as though protecting, arming Israel somehow helps Jewish safety, which is simply not the case at all. Um but the truth is the U.S. benefits from this in the sense that, you know, when we give Israel money, they use that money to buy U.S. weapons. The weapons industry here benefits from it. We have a political system here where we have lobby groups like APAC, for example, that are making it uh, very much worth the while of a lot of politicians, including Biden, to keep supporting these hawkish, warmongering policies. There's many, many domestic reasons and political reasons that Biden is doing this. But the truth is, at this point, he's also misreading the political wins. Right now, it is very clear that the Democratic voting base wants a ceasefire, and we do not want to be sending these weapons, these unconditional military funds to the Israeli government. And Biden is risking a lot by continuing to back this increasingly rogue state that is carrying out a genocide and not listening to the will of his own voters on this issue. Yeah. 
I love conversations with guests who uh, give you extreme clarity. Um, there is no, <laughs> no doubt uh, about the point of view of the Jewish Voice for Peace Action uh, and its uh, political director, Beth Miller. Beth, good to have you on this program. Uh, thank you for your insights, and uh, I, wish all, I wish you all the best. Thank you so much for having me on, Tavis. Good to have you on this program. Thanks again.